In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Then Jesus, armed with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, Luke 4, 14. Last week, I wondered why I hadn't called upon the Holy Spirit when I was desperately in need of power. There must have been many times during homeschooling that I was close to the end of my tether. However, upon further reflection on this verse, which appears to have captured my imagination, and with the terrific memory of my visiting daughter, Paris, I was reminded that I used to call upon the power of the Holy Spirit on our way to school each morning. We'd stop as we walked up the stairs to the warmest room in the house. I'd rest my hands on their heads and say, send the Holy Spirit down upon us, O Lord, and open our minds to learning this morning. Amen. I don't know where the calling upon the Holy Spirit disappeared to in the following years as routines changed and lives got away from us, but I do know today I need to return to that special devotion. The Spirit is there for us in fear, in darkness, in temptation, in living, in knowing, in guiding. How could I forget? He is God. A hymn I used to sing at school, taken from the Gregorian chant written before 1000, says it all. So I'm going to bring you some of the beautiful words that have recalled to me a lost treasure. Come, Holy Ghost, Creator, come from thy bright heavenly throne. Come, take possession of our souls and make them all thy own. Thou who art called the paraclete, best gift of God above, the living spring, the living fire, sweet unction and true love. O guide our minds with thy blessed light, with love our hearts inflame, and with thy strength which ne'er decays, confirm our mortal frame. Far from us drive our deadly foe, true peace unto us bring, and through all perils lead us safe beneath thy sacred wing. Through thee may we know the Father, through thee the Eternal Son, and thee the Spirit of them both. Thrice blessed three in one. Good morning and good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. This afternoon, my guest will be Jenny Hodgman, a 22-year-old homeschool graduate in Australia. Jenny loves horses and doing the Highland Fling, so she's here to talk to us today about how her parents' unstructured approach to education helped her discover some truths about her childhood dream. I'll also be talking about the loneliness of living away from home, not only for the young people, fireworks, my star barista again, and millions of spare rooms in England. So stop beetling about and find your favorite couch. Take a load off and share a cuppa and a slice of toast with me this morning as I bring you another hour of life from the other side of the pond and beyond. It's an hour earlier for me this week. Our clocks fell back and it's only one o'clock. America falls back this Sunday, so don't forget, otherwise you'll be early for everything. Enjoy the extra hour in bed. 
I think I've hinted at the fact that my Texan stepped outside his comfort zone quite impulsively a couple of weeks ago. He wasn't dilly-dallying as he went to a meeting in town and had braced himself for the brisk weather, feeling young and energetic. But on catching a glimpse of his reflection in the shop windows, he saw his visage and was surprised that he didn't look as young as he felt. We've all had those moments of unexpected self-awareness. After his meeting, he came straight back home and shaved off his beard. I have to admit, it's taken years off him. No more grey face. He wanted to buy hair colour and complete the youthful transformation. I had almost to chain him to the kitchen table. Too much too soon may be a jolt to my system. So far, hardly anyone has commented. The children, of course. My brother didn't even notice I'd had my hair cut from mid-waist to chin, so a few whiskers aren't going to make any impact on him. I would have expected his 12 and 8-year-old sons to notice, though, but they didn't. I think it suits him, and I have a fresh-faced, blue-eyed cowboy for the first time in 10 years. Malia told us that she'd got a job at Starbucks in Southend, a 10-minute train ride from Leon C. She'll work both weekend days, and I said, so you won't be able to come to visit us anymore? And she hesitated before saying, I suppose not. But as it turns out, she's contracted for only so many hours and during the holidays, she can knock them out when she likes and then be off for the remainder of the week. So I'm sure she'll work something out. That is, if she wants to. I'm sure as she was in Dallas, she'll be their star barista as well as continuing to be mine. And from coffee shop to pub, let's go to my guest, Jenny Hodgman, who was homeschooled and attended high school in Australia. Her parents had an unstructured approach to schooling, and she pursued her interests in highland dancing and horses, eventually traveling to Canada to fulfill her childhood dream of working as a Western horse trainer. After a few gap years, she returned home to pursue a degree in the arts at Monash University while working in a pub. Let's allow Jenny to tell us the rest of her story. Welcome to my show this evening, this afternoon, whenever it is, Jenny. Hi, Vivian. How are you going? I'm fine. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well, good, good. And so um, it's midnight or close to midnight there in Australia? It is, yes. It's just on midnight, I think. It's just on midnight. So you're going to be talking to me into tomorrow. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is just amazing how technology works. Um, it certainly is. So did I pronounce that correctly, the university Monash that you're going to? Monash University, yes. Monash University, that's in Melbourne, correct? Yes, it is, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, I want to sort of briefly introduce the fact that for this whole month of November, I am interviewing homeschoolers and unschoolers who have graduated from the homeschool so we can hear a little bit from the other side of the kitchen table or um, however we want to look at that. And um, so, um, Jenny, you're my very first person that um, I've had on who is a graduate during this little series. So um, tell us a little bit about your background, about where you grew up, you know, people are very interested in hearing about other countries. So tell us first off where you grew up and did you have a lot of land? Because I think in Australia, people tend to imagine, you know, sort of vast open spaces. So put us in perspective here. Yes, well, um, I did. I grew up on a 200-acre pro- property out just outside of Canberra. It was, I guess, 80 hectares, but it's really just bush. Um, we mm-hmm. had a couple of paddocks so I could keep my horses there, which was fantastic. And we had a lot of children, but um, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was perfect for me. I loved it. I loved 
having the bush there. We had national park behind us as well, so you could really go for as long as you wanted. We could camp a lot and just just spend time in the bush, I guess, with lots of animals. It was really, really nice. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, we're about an hour away from Canberra, which was really nice because it was easy to get into town and there were lots of people around. There was quite a good homeschooling group around Canberra. So um had lots of social life through that, which was really good. Um, so you lived you lived out on all of these acres, so it was um, quite remote. I mean, your nearest neighbour, apart from going into Canberra, how far away was the nearest next? What did you call your homestead, like a ranch? Are they called ranches? It was a property because um, it, it wasn't really a farm. I guess you'd call it a farm if it produced something, but it really doesn't at all. It's just bush. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of property. I guess our nearest neighbours were probably about a kilometre away. Um, mm-hmm. on both and there was a little town called Captain's Flat about uh, 10Ks away from our place. Mm-hmm. So I had, I guess it's got a population of about 300 people. So just a little, there was a little primary school there and some um, post office and a service station. Okay. So um, what did your parents do? How did they, how did they support you on this property? Um, my dad has his own business in computer graphics, so he does the mm-hmm. sport, the graphics for sport, um, which involved a lot of travelling when we were young, particularly. And um, because they chose to homeschool us, my mum stayed at home. She's a physiotherapist by trade, but she um, stayed home with us, and she's been at home for the last, I guess, 25 years with, with us kids. All right, so how many children are there in your family? There's four of us. Um, I'm the second. I have an older brother um, who's 25, I guess, and then two younger brothers who are 19 and 15. So your your parents decided that homeschooling was um, what the way they were going to go right from the very start. They did, yes. I don't I don't think it was a particularly conscious decision for them. Um, mm-hmm. so they sort of fell into it a little bit. My older brother was born in April, which is the cutoff date in Australia around April is you either go to school as a very, very young student or you stay back a year and go later. So they decided to come back and um, he's very smart. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just finished PhD and so he's very academically minded and he, by the time um, it came around to be time to go to school, he was already reading and he, he was just it was just working really well for them, I guess. So um, mm-hmm. they met some people at that stage who were homeschooling as well, and it had sort of become a, an idea and an option. And they just kept going with it because it was working. And then mm-hmm. we just kept going from there. And so, did you um, use any kind of formal curriculum, or did your um, parents just allow you to, you know, sort of direct your own learning? Um, we were pretty unstructured. We didn't really have a curriculum. We had a maths book. Um, mm-hmm. I think parents believed that we needed to learn the basics of maths through a maths mm-hmm. book. Um, but even that, I mean, I really didn't enjoy maths at all ever. And um, I guess I think I got to about year seven and just told my mum that I really didn't want to do it anymore, um, that I hated it. And she said, okay, well, you know, that's fine. And um, so I didn't. I stopped doing it. But on the other hand, my older brother, as I said, he just did quantum physics at university, and so he is obviously oh. at a very mm-hmm. high level. And my younger brother, Lewin, also did very a lot of maths. Um, he did a very mm-hmm. high level 
when he did go to um, school and now he's at uni studying a high level of maths. So mm -hmm. I guess it was still sort of self-directed and individual. Mm -hmm. Followed a bit what we were interested in. All right, so um, your math book was about the only one. What math did you use by, by chance? Was it something we might have heard of? <laughs> uh, I think accelerated maths learning. Okay, um, okay. Year, whatever, and it was an Australian textbook, and I hated okay. it. <laughs> you hated it? Well, I mean, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there are very many people out there that really naturally love math. So. Um, Jenny, we're getting ready to go on our first break, um, and we'll be back in about 90 seconds after these few little messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown, and after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millat, at 11, 10 central on toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R, realize it is possible. E, embrace all relationships. A, advance through adversity. D, develop your significance. M, manage your health and wealth. Y, yield to your natural abilities. L, listen to your heart. I, invest in yourself. P, persist by taking small steps. And S, serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millett on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking to Jenny Hodgman in Australia, and we're talking a little bit about um, how she homeschooled and, and whether or not um, she had a structured curriculum, which she didn't, just except for math. And um, I want to ask you now, Jenny, um, you decided to go to school for your final two years of high school, which, you know, for me as a homeschooler, those are probably the two years that I would 
take my children out of school, not put them into school. So um, why did you decide to do that? And obviously it was your decision. It was my decision. It was always, my parents always made it really clear that it was our decision. If we wanted to go to school, we were always free to go to school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I made the decision in Canberra, which is different to any other state in Australia, but um, the final two years are actually a totally separate entity to high school. High school finishes at year 10. And um, then you can go on to, we call it college, um, which is the final two years. And instead of sitting big exams right at the end, which count for your whole um, university entrance score, we have continual assessment for two years. It's a lot, mm-hmm. you're treated a lot like a university. You're not, mm-hmm. not hunted down for your assignments. If you hand them in, then that's good. If you don't, well, you just fail the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd call your teachers by the first name. It's really a lot like a university. It's sort of a to move you into a university. So I found that a really good entrance point for uni- for um, to go to school because mm-hmm. everyone was new, everyone, you didn't have to try and fit into a friendship group. Everyone had come from all different schools anyway, so it was really easy to fit in socially. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I decided to go because my, my older brother had gone um, and he had had a fantastic time. He wanted to go to university and he'd started university before I got to the the age to go to school go to year 11 and 12 um and I I wasn't going to go because I didn't want to be the sister who wasn't as smart or whatever and I didn't want to go to university I wanted to train horses and so I was never going to go and then a couple of days before the application was due I thought no actually I'd really like to have that option um it makes getting into university really a really simple process so um I'd just like to have that option open and just decided it was time that I wanted to see what it was like at least experience school and see what it was like and I had an absolutely fabulous time I really loved it so well I'll come back to that in a moment but first off I want to um see if I can get clear the delineation there between um your high school and then going into these last two years so in Australia everybody can graduate in their 10th year and they're about 16 years old yes that's right um you can graduate with a year 10 certificate Okay, and so you get a certificate, and then can you just go straight into university, or do you have to take the 11th and 12th year first? No, you have to take the 11th and 12th year to go to university. Um, So if you're on a university track, that's what you would do. But you go into a separate school. So this was a separate school where other schools, um, students who graduated after their 10th year were being fed into. Yes, that's correct. And this it's not across Australia. It's only in the ACT um, in Canberra. And, yeah, I don't know if it'll last, if it's going to hang around as a, a system, but um, it's a really fantastic system for homeschoolers. Okay, so it's similar in a way to um, our... In America, our first two years of college um, focuses on going over all the basics and the core and, you you know, you take English and history and math and biology, you take every single subject. And then after that, you, you can focus and specialize on what it is that you want to do for two years, like your theater or your science, you know, if you want to be pre-med or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so the, so 11 and 12 is kind of like that. So when you go to the university, how many years do you have to finish? Um, for a straight degree, a straight undergraduate degree, a bachelor or whatever, um, I think that's normally three years. For me, it's three years. It depends on your degree. 
Um, for me, it's three years, and then if I want to do postgraduate study, it's more or honours, then it's more after that. Okay. So at the end of your eleventh and twelfth year, you do get another. Do you get another kind of certificate? Yes, you get. You can either choose to do a um, tertiary package where you get a university score, um, or you can do a just a year twelve certificate package where you don't have to sit the same exams and do the same. Um, number of units as mm-hmm. someone doing a university entrance score and you can come out with a um, certificate that it's you finished year 12 um, you can go into a trade you can do vocational training throughout college so you can okay. do a couple of days a week at somewhere working as a carpenter or whatever and mm-hmm. um, keep doing your schooling as well so you can still finish year 12 and have that certificate as well Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you um, obviously thrived in your final two years, and I think that's that's really good because you know you're right. Had you gone into a um, a high school that actually did, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, you would have you know sort of tried. I was I was going to ask you how the heck did you get into the peer the peer system, you know, and, and uh, make friends and things, but you said everybody was new, so that worked really well. So tell me a little bit about the continual assessment and the types of classes that you took okay well um i didn't like english when i started there which is mm-hmm. ironic I'm taking an arts degree but um i really didn't like english um i went there first because they had offered agriculture tertiary level, level agriculture and that okay. was what i wanted to do um but i actually ended up really really enjoying i took a human movement course Um, which was basically introduction to physiotherapy type of stuff, sports science. Um, And I just loved that subject. I had a fantastic teacher, um, really loved it. I also had a fantastic English teacher who probably turned me around a bit. Not that I didn't like English before that. I've always loved to write and I've always loved to read. My parents, since we were really little, we always had story time in the evenings and my parents would read. Normally, Sean and I had, my older brother and I had a book that my mum would just read us a couple of chapters of Um, And then my younger brothers would have a book as well, which she'd read to them. And um, that I've always loved to read since then. And um, so I always loved English. I just really disliked analysing English. And I think I wasn't very confident about writing essays and writing formally, which was probably a spin-off from homeschooling. Um, I'd never really done, never really had to structure an essay and plan out an essay and do that. But um, I had a really good English teacher and I really enjoyed, he really was very passionate about what he did and yeah that really made me like English so I enjoyed English and I took maths I did do tertiary level maths and I actually found it really easy um mm-hmm. which was odd because I hadn't done maths since the seven really um but I didn't I didn't take a high level but I took a level to get me into a university score and yeah didn't find mm-hmm. it too hot so that mm-hmm. was really good <laughs> gave me a more positive mm-hmm. outlook maths um, well, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of proves, doesn't it, that um, if you just wait a little bit, um, you might be, you know, you know, you might be sort of better equipped mentally to be able to take that um, subject. I think so. And also um, just being in a different environment, it was something that I just had to learn to pass. I had a set thing that I had to learn to pass this course. Whereas at home, we were so encouraged to learn what we were interested in. And I just wasn't interested in that. So I didn't care at all but when I had a purpose that I had to pass this unit I still didn't want to study it after I finished but it was easier to just learn that because I knew that was what I had to learn 
I'm losing you. Hello, can you hear me there? Yeah, no, I can. I can hear you now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, um, and I also I loved my biology course, which I did there, and I had again wonderful teachers. I took uh, did the Duke of Edinburgh Award. I don't know if you have that in America. Um, um, no, we don't. It's just it's a course, an, an award you can do. Um, it's nothing to do with school. You can do it as a homeschooler as well, but you um, do community service and a sport and learn mm-hmm. a skill and go on, they call it um, the adventure trip or something like that. And you have to, anyway, you have to plan a trip of some sort. You can do a canoeing trip or we, we went hiking and just had a wonderful time with that too. Um, mm-hmm. Really made me love hiking even more. I've always enjoyed it, but really got me in, got me confident hiking on my own and that was fantastic. So for me, school, I mean, it really, there were a lot of opportunities. It was a really good experience. Well, good, good. And so do you think um, your two younger brothers, are they young enough to be thinking about doing that or did they do that too? Yes, well, Lewin's 19, so he's actually in first year uni as well. We started uni the same year. Um, yeah. He did go to college as well and, again, loved it. He had a very different Sean and Lewin and I have all gone to different colleges in Canberra and take quite different subjects and all really, really enjoyed the experience, really positive experience of it. I think because of that, Mitch, my littlest brother, he's 15, and I think he's planning to go to college as far as I know. Um, He's planning to, but he's got another year, I guess, to think about it. All right. Um, What were your two favourite... I don't know, you can call them subjects, I suppose. What were the two favourite things that you loved to do while you were homeschooling? Well, I spent a lot of time riding my horses, and when I wasn't riding them, I was brushing them or grazing them around the lawns or just doing whatever with them. Um, I did spend a lot of time with them. And I think the other thing I probably did a lot of, which isn't very productive, but I just love going for walks, taking the dogs. We had a couple of lovely dogs, um, taking them just for a walk in the bush. And I guess it was good thinking time or whatever, but just finding somewhere nice and sitting down and doing that or, yeah, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. How many horses do you have? Uh, it went up and down. My dad always complains that horses multiply. Um, I started <laughs> out, I was given a blind pony when I was probably 10, I think. Um, who was just wonderful horse. She was great. Um, the people who owned her before didn't want her because she was blind. But um, she was such a sweetheart and she was just fantastic. Um, but then I just acquired someone moved into town, so they gave me their pony as well. And then oh, they, they built up. I ended up, I think I had six or seven there for a while. They weren't all mine. Wow. They, other people would just ask you to ride their horse for a bit they were going yeah, away yeah yeah well we're going to have to go on our second break for those of you just joining us i'm talking to jenny hodgman who is an australian homeschooling graduate with a story to encourage parents who may worry that their children may not be all right without those test scores and classrooms stay with us while we break for a few moments and we'll continue our conversation
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Druggynet.com. In the healthcare industry today, most of us are left in the dark when our doctors talk to us about our health and wellness. It seems that they don't have enough time to be informative and give us the options we deserve. Are you frustrated with today's medical advice as I am? Join the Medical Insider with Danny Walker and Dr. Richard Powell as they discuss the insider look at various therapies, medications, supplements, and much, much more. We will bring you the cutting-edge information regarding your health care and how you can take control of your health care decisions by not being fooled but being informed. Danny Walker and Dr. Richard Powell will be joined by experts in various fields throughout the healthcare industry, and they'll uncover the information that you should know about when it comes time to making those crucial decisions. Don't be fooled. Be informed with the Medical Insider every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 Central. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. All right, Jenny, let's talk about your dream and your gap years that you took. You decided when you'd finished at um, your college not to go to university straight away. You decided you wanted to travel. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, what happened and um, your dream of being a Western horse trainer. Well, um, yes, I guess it wasn't a particularly conscious decision again at the end of college not to go to university. I... I wasn't, I was never mad keen on it, um, but by the time I finished college, I did want to be a physiotherapist, so I applied for that um, and got accepted. And then the other thing I did while I was at home, and well, I mean, I had lessons in town, obviously, but um, I was a Highland dancer. And when I was in year 12, I, no, it must have been before that, it was before I even went to school, 2004. Um, I got the opportunity to dance at the Edinburgh Military Tattoo with um, the Australian Highland Dancing Team. So mm-hmm. I went for that, and I loved that. And then we went to Oman the next year um, in the Middle East and danced there. And anyway, the year after I finished college, I had two – there were two tattoos. There was one in Virginia in America and one in um, Nova Scotia in Canada. So I had those to dance at, and that would have meant – a lot of time off uni, so I just took the whole year off deferred for a year and thought I'd take a gap year. 
mm-hmm. um, travel a bit with a friend who was also a dancer, traveled Europe a bit. So um, I did. I worked for four months, I guess, and then went to Virginia and danced and had a great time. And I was planning to just travel around Canada um, when I went there. But before I left, when I was leaving high school, I remember my biology teacher asked me what I was doing, um, what I was planning to do the next year, and I told him. And he said um, he had a brother who lived in Canada, and he knew I was into horses, and he said his brother lived right in the middle of the horse area, and I could maybe go and stay with him for a bit. And so I did, um, emailed him, and he was they were just wonderful people and over there. They um, came and picked me up from the airport and really looked after me. Um, and introduced me to a horse trainer over there who um, needed someone to help out for the summer, I guess. So I was there for two or three months, and I rode for um, John Swales, his name is. He's a horse trainer in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea who he was and had never heard the name. I wasn't. I showed English horses at that stage mm-hmm. in Australia. I um, yeah, had never ridden Western in my life. I had a lot of fun with me because I rode so English, um, (laughs) quite different. Um, and I just had an absolute blast. I loved the people there. I really, really just, yeah, absolutely fantastic couple of months. Mm -hmm. And when I left, John said, because I had to go and dance in Nova Scotia in July. And, um, John said to me, if you ever want, you know, a job, you're welcome to come back. Just send me an email. Gave me his email address. So I said, oh yeah, yeah. Um, going back to, I'm going to go to university. So I went, and danced and then went to Europe and had a, had a great time traveling and then um, came back and I um, looked John up at this point and found out that he'd just come eighth in the world's greatest horseman and um, I sort of realized that I had a job offer with this incredible horse trainer who was also a really lovely person and mm. his whole family were really lovely and I just thought I'm crazy not to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I let my place at university lapse and um, worked for a bit and I danced, I think I had to dance in Switzerland on the way back. So I went there and I travelled around Ireland and Europe a bit more um, on my own, just backpacking. And then went back to Canada and worked for John for just over a year, um, which was just absolutely fantastic. Um, had the greatest year ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then decided at the end, well, during that time I decided I really wasn't what I wanted to do as a career. Um, I still love, I mean, I haven't ridden since I came home, but only because I don't have a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still, I still love to ride and I love, I, the whole time I was there, I really loved riding, but it's really different when you do it as a job. It becomes, mm-hmm. uh, you have to ride these horses, mm-hmm. whether you want to ride that horse or not, you might be a horse that you're scared of, or you just really don't want to ride it. Um, or can't, it's just not going to be fixable or it's going to get fixed and then the owner will just wreck it again. It's, it's a hard profession and you have to, it becomes a lifestyle rather than a profession, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I just decided it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. Um, I didn't like the Canadian winter very much, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, I guess I just decided that it wasn't, it was great. I loved it, but I wanted it to be a hobby, not, not my lifestyle. So I came home, um, or I danced in Rotterdam on the way home, I guess, in Holland, and then came home and applied for university. Yeah, Yeah, um, so obviously um, 
childhood dreams will always be attractive unless you can actually get out there and work in them and definitively decide whether or not this is what you want to do. It's like kind of checking stuff off your to-do list. You know, you have to actually get out there and do it. So um, obviously this year that you spent in Canada was, um, you know, almost a turning point for you because then because you'd experienced the life working with horses as opposed to, you know, sort of a hobby with horses, um, you, you were able to, you know, put it aside and say, okay, I'm going to focus on something else because although I still love horses, that is not what I want to do with my life. Yes, and I think that's really important. I think it's something you really want to do to actually go and do it. I mean, if I didn't, when you're having a bad day at uni, and I have lots of bad days at uni when there's lots of stuff due and you just think, oh, do I really want to do this? And then Mm -hmm. if I had that niggling, maybe I just want to train horses Mm-hmm. If I had that there, then I think it would be really hard to focus and finish a uni degree. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas having done it and realised that it's not the, the job that I want for the rest of my mm-hmm. life, um, I really hope I can have horses again at some point. But mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I, it's, it's much easier to focus and think, no, this is what I really want to do. And I think it is now. <laughs> And um, so, so it's not really um, a worry to parents. I want to try and get across to um, some homeschooling parents who are worried about their their high school age um, children that they have at home, not learning enough, not being able to get into university, maybe not even wanting to go to university, having different ideas, different dreams, that eventually... It, it, you can go back, you know, if, if something that you thought you wanted to do doesn't work out, you can go back to university. You don't have to go to university at 18. You can wait and go later. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the most important things that my parents made really clear to us when we were at home was that we should do what we wanted to do, that the, like having a good job, the definition of a good job is something that you love and that you love to do. And I saw that in Canada so many times it really made it clear to me um seeing my boss who we'd work we worked six days a week at least um and on his day off he'd take a few horses home just to ride them and get them right and he loved his job so much and i i wasn't the same obviously i Mm -hmm. I loved it to enjoy is sweeping streets well that's fantastic and good for you and I don't think anyone should ever put that down as a career um if you should you just got to do what you enjoy and it doesn't matter if that's a uni university degree or whatever it is I my parents were really encouraging of me to go back and work for John mm-hmm. um John was at this stage I think he'd finished his degree in physics and was going on to a honours and a PhD and they it never felt like I was doing something less. I was really encouraged to do what I wanted to do and I was loving what I was doing as long as we were doing something. My parents always, we had to be doing something of some sort. <laughs> you can't just, I guess you need to be pushed a little bit maybe. But um, yeah, I think it's so, just so important for people to choose. All right. Some people say that parents um, homeschool their children so that they can have control over their lives, control over what they learn. What would you say um, to that comment? Um, that certainly wasn't the case 
for me. I never felt that at all. Um, my parents did have some control over things just because of where we lived and we didn't have driving licenses, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so to take us places, but if we wanted to do something, we just had to organize it ourselves. So, mm-hmm. um, if I wanted to go and spend a few days at my friend's house or, um, I used to go to a, there was a horse trainer near Canberra, near where I lived and I'd, um, go out to her place for a while. And as long as I organized it, my parents were more than happy to drive me there. That was fine. Um, when, if we did a, if we wanted to do like learn something, I, was a dancer and my brothers are all quite musical and do different musical instruments. Um, that was fine. The only condition was that we had to practice at home mm-hmm. um, every day and yeah, make a bit of an effort, I guess, make a commitment mm-hmm. to it. Just go to mm-hmm. the class. And, um, so there's, there could probably be um, just a fine line between that control and dependency because as a, as, a, as a young person, you're right, you said you didn't have driving licenses, so you had to um, you know, sort of go, go to your parents and say, I need to do this, this is how we're going to achieve it, would you um, mind driving me or, or whatever. So there's this sense of dependency um, that, that is still there anyway, right? Yes, I think that's, I mean, that's part of being a child, that's part of being mm-hmm. a dependent, what called mm-hmm. dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's a really good life skill to learn to balance what you want to do with what everyone else in the family is doing because right. we couldn't mm-hmm. do four trips to town in a day, but she was happy that's to do one. We could all coordinate what we were doing yeah. Yeah. to be at the same time. So I think that's really a good life skill anyway. Yes. So yeah. how dependent are you now? I'm fairly independent. I'm a very independent personality, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. hence why I'm living in Melbourne, not in Canberra. Yes. Um, and why I spent so much time traveling. I really, I really like having that independence. I like being able to know that I, I can do whatever I want to do. If I want to, I can do whatever I want. I can, I can support myself and I can, um, get through a uni degree. And if I fail, whatever I'm doing, if I lose my job or whatever, it's my fault and it comes back on me only. It's not going to affect anyone else. But if well, I work hard, then it'll affect me too. Yeah. Well, Jenny, um, we have come to the end of our time and it's been absolutely wonderful um, talking to you. Um, I hope you have a great weekend. Is it sunny there? Are we going into the summer there, spring? We're going into summer. It's getting warm, although it's still raining in Melbourne. It's getting warm. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jenny. No worries at all. Thank you. Bye. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. 
If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Bikeman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. talking with Jenny Hodgman, who was telling us the story of her unstructured homeschooling experience and how it gave her the courage to go where her dream took her and the surprising results of that adventure. She is currently studying for her Bachelor of Arts degree in Melbourne at Monash University after taking several gap years. I'm sure you'll agree that Jenny was a shining example of the independence and self-knowledge she's developed as a result of being able to work out her own future with support from her family. Well, when we were in Canterbury having tea and a good family discussion with cousins we hadn't seen in years, mostly educators, so we have a lot in common, the topic of green living came up, and apparently there are 25 million spare rooms in Britain. What has this to do with green living, you may ask? Well, we were talking about the never-ending treadmill of consumerism. The more we have, the more we want, the more we work. On talking with the mama bus driver, Jennifer Miller, the other week, who incidentally has just arrived back home after a two-month road trip with her friend and their 11 children. She told me how she and her husband sold their house and most of their possessions four years ago to manage on less and live a location-independent life with their four children. What others take for granted we view as a privilege is how she describes her current lifestyle. My cousins thought this view of managing on less was definitely good stewardship, green and admirable. They also brought up the fact I mentioned earlier that there aren't millions of spare rooms in Britain. Obviously, lots of households hanging on to more than they need. But is it as easy as that? We started bravely defending our reasons for hanging on to those freshly vacated bedrooms with family staying almost every weekend. The rooms aren't sitting idle collecting dust. We wish. The government in England is making a push to encourage empty nesters and older people, half of which are baby booners, to sell their large family homes, thus freeing them up at a price for younger couples needing more room. 
all well and good, but these younger families are unable to afford such large homes. So predictably, a catch-22 situation occurs. Curious as to what was really going on in Britain, I went on to the UK.gov orange pages where the government has guidelines for every facet of living. Here I found those who were living in council houses, which are subsidised housing, that were too big for them, are being asked to request smaller homes so that families can move into their more spacious vacated houses or flats. I don't think it's reached the public sector yet, but I did notice something about taxing additional unused rooms across the country. In a free nation, can you imagine being forced to downsize because of a tax penalty on unused rooms? Ruminating out loud, I, for one, rather enjoy those brief opportunities when I can make a change of use decision on a spare bedroom and have it serve time as a sewing room art studio office library anything i want until the offspring boomerang back i think i should be allowed to rattle around in my home if i want to don't you and what about the queen and her massive abodes the experience of having our children come and visit us from texas has been a new and somewhat heartrending one for the weeks leading up to the first visitor my soft-hearted blue-eyed cowboy was anticipating how he was going to feel by the end of the month when the holidays were over i wouldn't let my mind go there it was going to come around quickly enough last sunday was a really bad day for me so when i arrived home from heathrow after dropping paris off i know that airport really well now i rolled my sleeves up and dug into transforming my two-bedroom flat back into a one-bed with a study-slash-den for me. I look around the room now, and although I have roses and berries and a lovely fuchsia adorning every surface, I'm still reminded that a child whom I loved and homeschooled is no longer sharing airspace with me. My dancer's having a very hard time of it as well. She was only able to see her two siblings fleetingly because of her school commitments, and this is something she's resisted for a long time, not being able to be free when she wants to be when everyone else is doing it growing up is coming hard for her then she misses her boyfriend who stays connected with her through thick and thin daytime and night and causes her emotions to well up when i was away for young long chunks of time the only form of communication i had was the letter and so after a few weeks i adapted to life away from home and loved ones not today in the digital age there's a constant reminder of what you're missing fostering an inability to immerse fully in the new life this is it for now being away for a year is tough i may be here with my other half but we are married and would expect to be together i miss having a child pop in at any time during the day to disturb and at times irritate me i miss my friends i've made one friend here whom i've seen briefly twice she lives upstairs in the flats i miss my church and the ministry i was involved in i feel god's telling me to sit and be quiet but i resist to make further attempts to be included on the reader roster which has just been posted through February 2012 without any mention of me I've even offered to iron linens the fair linen no less and still have had no takers I miss my home my books the knickknacks the comfort the familiarity most of all I miss the getting on with my life while a year isn't such a long time in the grand scheme of things it's extremely restricting for me to take a deep breath and be Plus, I'm unexpectedly having to maintain two households, which is unplanned financial suicide. Being away is not fun for any of us. Then I come across a Jesus saying, Man, 
cannot live by bread alone. And the words surrender, surrender, surrender pop into my head. Who's going to encourage my daughter to surrender and enjoy this childhood dream she's living? Anyone out there want to be the voice of wisdom without the English accent? Well, it's firework day tomorrow. And I'm so glad. The crackers and rockets have been going off the London area for three weeks now. Each evening as the sun ducks its head to Australia, the loud bangs start. I've been outside to see if I can catch a glimpse, but no luck. Here we can let fireworks off in our back gardens within the city limits. I asked my cowboy if he was going to make a guy, an effigy of the man who was supposed to set light to the fuse down in the basement of the government buildings all those years ago. In case you don't know, here's a little history about Guy Fawkes, who, with a band of friends attempted to blow up the House of Parliament on November the 5th, 1605, with barrels of gunpowder deposited in the basement in an effort to dispose of King James I. The plot failed. Guy was taken to the tower where he was tortured and eventually spilled the beans and named the other conspirators. King James decreed that fireworks be released every year on November the 5th to celebrate the sparing of his life. Since 1678, the basements of the House of Parliament have been ritually searched before the opening of each new session. I find that amazing. Guy's effigy is burned on a bonfire. And I wonder if Malia's little household that she's living with will have a bonfire. It's it's quite a big thing here in England. On that night, you go out and you have jacket potatoes and sausages cooked in the fire. Maybe we'll take ourselves to a nearby common or a park to see a large display. Oh, and back on the subject of getting dark. Because the clogs fell back last Sunday, it now begins to get dark at 4.30 in the afternoon instead of 5.30. And soon it'll be 3.30. At least the mornings are a little lighter, but that won't last long. Rumour has it this may be the last year when the clocks change. That would be good. I don't really see the point myself. Well, Paris, when she was here, we had to reminisce a lot in our sightseeing. So we went up to town to take photos of her in front of Big Ben and at the palace where she saw the changing of the guard. We ate fish and chips, cheese and ham baguettes, drank coffee while sitting outside looking at the garden, munching on chocolate rolls and cream fancies. Ice cream's always delicious here. We went to the park for a soft scoop with a flake while it was sunny. And then we had an ice cream bar in the park on a freezing cold day. She had a crunchy, I had a bounty, and Pops had a Rolo. Um, As we ate, we caught one of the foot patrol policemen walking along and commented on the fact that she was just wearing short shirt sleeves. We were bundled up in woolies and scarves. She smiled and said she'd just taken off her coat because she was getting too warm. After she'd moved along, I laughed. Here we were talking about the folly of shirt sleeves in this freezing weather, and we were sitting on a bench eating our ice cream. Well, on one of our family visits, there were cookies bought for tea. Our once or twice removed five-year-old cousin had helped make them, and the American contingent oohed and aahed over the sight of their thin, amber-coloured glossiness. We couldn't elicit a name for them from Tess, so we asked her for the ingredients, which she rattled off. We thought they were lattice cookies, perhaps. On asking an adult, what would you call those cookies, the adult looked thoughtfully at them and replied, well, I would never call them cookies. They're biscuits. 
This started a a conversation on what they, the English members of our family, would term as cookies because the name is used here. This is what I got. A cookie is a huge, round, gooey, sometimes, well, almost always, with chocolate pieces. Otherwise, they're biscuits. And the thin, glossy, amber biscuits, well, they were called oatmeal biscuits or sticky biscuits or toffee biscuits, but never lattice cookies because they weren't big or gooey enough. Now I know. To quote Bill Bryson, I'm a stranger here myself. Though I haven't lost my accent, I've been complimented on my voice, being told I speak beautifully. Our estate agent even told me I sounded like Joanna Lumley, the most well-known voice in the world. I took that as a compliment. As mothers and homeschoolers, we appreciate only too well how the holidays come around fast. And I'm talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year, all just a step or two around the corner. There are activities, festivities, lots of preparations and hopefully a few teaspoons of fun and enjoying them can be a challenge for busy women like us. That's why I was so pleased to be asked by my friend Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfield Holidays here on Toginet Radio, to be part of your beautiful holiday, The Busy Woman's Guide to a Beautiful and Stressless Holiday Season. I am one of 12 women who are going to talk about how to make this holiday season the best yet, as my children say. I'll be telling you about how we made new traditions in our empty nester celebrations last year and hopefully give you pause for thought as you consider letting go and enjoying your family togetherness more this year. Go to www.yourbeautifulholiday.com to register. The event starts in a couple of days. It's absolutely free with prizes and surprises every day for 12 days. This is my gift to you and you can pass it on to another busy women in your lives. Go on, treat yourself. And I've managed to rave on for yet another hour, which has flown by again. We're off to the annual general meeting of our small theatre centre this evening. And then we're going to take it easy over the weekend and enjoy the weather and perhaps catch a firework display in one of the parks. I'll be here, same time, same place next week with the second of my homeschool graduate series, which you won't want to miss. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome, clean-shaven husband who believes in love at first sight and loves Jaffa cakes, by the way. Our four children, who are the result of that belief, I miss you three in Texas, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Jenny Hodgman, and my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Sarah, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Listen to my friend Sandy Fowler of Heartfield Holidays right here on Mondays, and Ali Lepreet later on this afternoon. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodoop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.